0: Hi, I'm Jack Brody, and I'm with Dave Smith and our show, Secrets to Success. We're happy to see you again. And today we're talking about serves and volleys, not necessarily serve and volley, but serves and volleys, how to warm them up and what to think about when you're um, working on these two uh, very, very important strokes. Hi, Dave. How are you?
1: Hi, Jack. Great uh, to be with you and hopefully a lot of folks uh, paying attention to what we do and talk about and hopefully share some insights to improving player dynamics, improving the progressions to getting a player to really excel and what I call reaching their potential, their true potential. I think you can probably relate to this because you've trained uh, equal, if not more, uh, high performance players from raw beginner to that high level of echelon. And so in talking about, I'm going to jump right into this and I want you to kind of uh, piggyback on this, but we train, the first stroke we train is the volley because the dynamic continental grip is so important to the serve, the volley, the slice backhand, the two-handed backhand, um, the, the uh, half-volley, all those strokes with the exception of the, the topspin forehand use a continental grip among the highest level players, so we train the, the volley first and then go right into the serve. And I'm not talking weeks later; we're just talking really within the same lesson. And so, one of the things that this we're going to be talking about today is, well, why do we do that? First and foremost, if the continental grip is the desired stroke, avoiding it will never produce a player who gets comfortable with it. And if you can't get a player, you don't give them the tools, you don't give them the exercises or the drills or the skills to master the continental grip, sure, it will be remain unfamiliar. And coaches that are training players to avoid the unfamiliar or the uncomfortable just because it is uncomfortable have to realize that at some point they're going to have to, if they want that player to have a good serve, if they want that player to have a good volley or a well-rounded game where they can come up to the net, you and I both know, Jack, we can look at a player's second serve and we can look at their backhand volley or the forehand volley and pretty much define what level that player is ever going to get to because of the limitations that they're using, say, a crying pan or eastern forehand, eastern backhand grip on the volley. So I'd like you to jump on that, too, and, and express your experiences with both the continental grip as it applies to the, the volley and the yeah, player I, as a whole.
0: Well, I think obvious I think it's obvious to most of us insider pros that the volley has been obviously misunderstood because when it comes to tennis I mean if I say give me a great backhand you could go back to Borg Chrissy Everett I mean everyone's got a great backhand give me a great forehand you could name 20 people 30 40 50 people with a great forehand and sir when it comes to volleys people go right to Federer then they shoot way back to Sampras and Edberg, because really not many players are known for their volleys because, um, and and once again, I just think they're woefully misunderstood and, and, and poorly taught. You know, the whole idea of breaking your wrist and, and punching with the elbow and stepping forward. I mean-
1: Pushing I mean, versus- Yeah, stroke.
0: I mean, you step forward when you have to, but if you watch a great volleyer like a Federer, half the time he steps back with his back foot lining him up. And, and so, so the whole, like I said, it, it's just woefully misunderstood and, and poorly taught. But I agree with you on the continental grip. I do. Um, I, uh, I'd start my kids so young, four and five years old, that we don't start with volleys, but, but because I think it would just be, um, I, I like a little bit of immediate gratification. So, you know, at least with the groundies, with a four and five-year-old, Right, having a, and I don't really use the little frying pan rackets. I like having that leverage. So they go, oh, look at me. I just hit the ball over the net. Uh, And the volleys are a little tough for four and five and six-year-olds. And that's when I started with so many kids. But I do agree with you, especially when you've got high school kids. Man, if they don't know their continental grip, especially doubles, my God, they can't even play the game, right? I mean, you can't have a good serve. You'll have no second serve. We all, we know that. No second serve. And the volleys, uh, they'll use two hands on the backhand volley, which I will not let a kid, you know, I don't even let my five-year-olds volley with two hands.
1: There's no need. Not even
0: my five-year-olds. Um, <laughs> I won't let them volley with two hands because it's a bad habit, uh, especially the two-handers, right? Because they're so used to it. They're always digging underneath like that. And, and so... Um, or turning it over. And, or turning yeah. it over. And then the flat forehand volley you can't really aim it. There's no angle you can get. You can only push it forward. So I agree 100%. I think the continental grip, and you're right, too many pros avoid it. In fact, I've even he- heard pros tell pe- players, go ahead and put that other hand on there so you're stronger. And I'm like, stronger? Uh, you know?" And, and and they try and teach the backhand with two-handed volleys, and they say, well, you're a beginner. We'll fix it later. But of course, later never comes.
1: No, it doesn't. And, and once you've established this this uh, frying pan or pushing grip, it becomes so comfortable that anything it becomes exponentially more uncomfortable. And we train the volley first for a couple of reasons. You, you mentioned immediate gratification. The way we train our toss and block drill, and we we toss a beanbag first, and we get a kid to catching the beanbags. Yeah, I, I do limited. that
0: one too. I like that one too.
1: And so yeah. we actually have more success immediately because kids are hitting the ball square with a volley and they learn um, that strength isn't needed. It, it, I demonstrate as I'm sure you do with the two fingered where I hold the grip with two fingers and volley, I'll have my my assistant drill me. I mean, hit as hard as he can at my back end of my forehand volley and I'll just reflect it back with literally holding the bracket in my thumb and index finger. And so, you know, these pros that think, i got to hold it stiff, I go hold it strong. Yeah, I mean, there's an element of, of firmness that you want in your volley, but it's not required. And so when players start to discover through volleys first, and the problem I have with of course the opposite, of if I taught ground strokes first, they learn to take a full swing, of course. And so then when we move to the volley, I have to Diminish the swing, which is hard to do for some kids. Some that you can do it immediately and they understand it. So we start with the volley first and then go to the full stroke. Both are correct. Don't well, get me wrong. I have wrong. no
0: problem with doing that. I know a lot of good coaches that, that do the volley first and they even warm up with quick volleys or bump up yep. that's, that's and across. That's what we and do. Quick yeah. volleys. Um, yeah, I have no problem with that. I guess it's, it's what it is. Like I said, my kids, I always like all of them, Sam's, all the kids they were all under 10. They were so little. And, you know, at least when you teach them the inside out forehand, they go home going, mommy, I got a weapon, you know, yeah, but, yeah, they'll recognize I have quickly. a problem with, with, with teaching the volleys first. Uh, who knows what we'll get into when we talk about technique. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, but uh, let's, um. yeah. So I think we both agree that the continental grip has to be controlled and has to be learned right
1: away or, or else, it's part of it's part of the whole package you you shouldn't avoid one over the other it's sure.
0: more than part it's everything other than the forehand
1: that's well absolutely and it's, and i'll go one step further having since i work with 50 to 70 kids a, at a time sometimes i've got to think outside the box and so you'd see this picture of my kids working volleys These are a lot of my beginners. Is that uh, what they're
0: doing? They're hitting volleys on the grass there? They're
1: doing toss and block drills. One's tossing to the backhand volley, the other one's volleying. And and here's here's a side note to a toss and block drill. So when you're volleying and the other player's tossing and catching, that player who's tossing and catching is learning the skill- They are, sure. Of catching or tracking to their hand. And I teach them to toss underhand and then hold their hand up as a target so this player is volleying and out of their peripheral vision, they're trying to block that ball to a hand, but this person is catching and receiving a ball. So even though it's a tossing drill, one person is actually working on the volley from a hitting standpoint or a blocking standpoint, the player tossing is gaining skill without even knowing it. And you know, so I agree,
0: it, I agree with you. And I like the word you use there. I wish I used that word more often. I will start receiving.
1: receiving the ball. When it
0: comes to, When it comes to the volley, you know, the whole concept of a blunt punch is really not where it's at. Where it's at is it's more of a feeling of a receiving and, and, then, and then letting the ball sink into the strings and letting the ball, right, push air into the ball. And, and the, the synergy of those two things is really what makes the ball pop in a nice volley, not, not fighting fire with fire and, and, you know, a ball oncoming and you go after it, you know, it's in golf. I'm not a golfer, but I know what they call it in golf. It's called a fat hit, right? When it's not a sweet hit, it's a fat hit. You've done everything right, but somehow you've met the ball in in a more conflictive way. And so it feels fat, right? It sends shock up your arms. So yes, it's more of a feel and letting, like I said, letting that ball be absorbed by the racket strings, but by your whole core, by your body, instead of instead of putting it all on the elbow or the wrist or the shoulder. So I like that word receiving a lot. I'm
1: glad. Uh, I, I use a couple of phrases that I think it really resonate. And I don't know if you've heard these, but I always, I tell my players, imagine your racket as a mirror, the, the hitting surface and the ball be coming to you as a beam of light from a flashlight or a laser or whatever, I, whatever you want to visualize. And I always tell my players, would you swing your racket to interact with that reflecting angle that you want to achieve. Meaning, do I, if I wanted to angle that beam of light to my right, would I swing at it? And of course, they say, no, I would put my mirror behind the beam of light and angle the mirror and let the beam of light reflect. And once they start to discover that concept of reflecting versus hitting or receiving, as you just mentioned, they start to realize that the swing is not a critical factor until you want to really give the ball much more impetus to hit it somewhere more effectively. But the first thing we teach is the angle volley. A lot lot of pros are like, that's an advanced shot. (laughs) No, it's not. From a ready position to a backhand or a forehand angle volley, it's about a two inch. It's a, it's a three inch turn. Right. And, and 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 the kids start to realize that they get out of this, one-dimensional hit the ball straight ahead, hit the ball straight ahead, and they start to understand the concept of opening a court up. Even five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, my daughter when she was eight, we we trained her on the angle volley. She has an amazing angle volley because she knew it, and she learned to angle with reflecting skill rather than hitting. The other problem with the eastern grip, uh, uh, eastern forehand, eastern backhand grip of the volley, is It sets the racket more square to the net, and I have to now swing to get the angle, and I will overhit any sharp angle I try to hit. So I always see players all, this, all the time with the eastern forehand, eastern backhand grip decelerating because for them, it, usually, as you well know, if you have an eastern backhand grip and you turn your body sideways, your racket's too far back. And now I have to turn my whole body and swing, and now I've got a racket moving much faster than I can control, and I now have to decelerate, and now I'm just pushing the ball pretty much square dead ahead, and I never can get an angle volley. When I did hundreds and hundreds of clinics with adults who were taught Eastern grip, hit the ball out in front of them, and hit the ball straight, uh, they couldn't hit an angle volley to save their life because no. of those factors. They can't even hit a cross court volley to save. their no, life. No, they really can't. But well, that's, that's you remember. Well, you remember Andy Roddick.
0: I mean, guy was you know uh, he was number one in the world for a month, yeah. but, but then but then uh, Gilbert. Uh, you know, I know these guys, nice guys, great guys. But I mean, he told Andy to start going to net, and and I, I was like, wow, you're sending him up there with a a BB gun. I mean, because he had that step and push. And so he would just hit to Nadal yeah. or Federer and they would just, he was like target practice because he it, couldn't, he couldn't hit the ball line. Yeah. yeah. He could only hit an area of about six feet, right? He couldn't really hit a uh, sharp, uh, deadly uh, volley, you know, near the line because he couldn't aim because he was stepping forward and punching forward. Right. So Federer would just sit back, wait for that first volley and then of course he was at the forty-five. So with the slightest, so if he saw Andy drift to the to the forehand or backhand side, he would just right at the forty-five. He just just the slightest adjustment, and he'd go cross court or he'd go yep. down the line. And poor Andy, I mean, he would just look to the crowd like, well, I mean, what do I do up here? So that was a big mistake. You don't send someone to net if they can't volley.
1: Well, he could volley he halfway decent, but the problem was he never put. Uh, he never he put less pressure after his approach shot his volley had less um caused less stress to his opponent his approach shots he hit cross court a lot which i i did not like how often he hit a it oh court.
0: no that's that's ridiculous because you and, open up the court right you've got the hole down the line bigger than that. Right, you just but can't, you can't cover it.
1: cross court and then he would volley the ball and like you said he just couldn't put it away and no, so never. then he was even more vulnerable after the approach shot after his second at his first volley so yeah, I agree. I mean, he he took on a strategy that just didn't make sense. Even to me. In, in
0: what three month period? He went from number one to twenty five.
1: Yeah, so no, three he, months.
0: He, yep. I mean, that was a really uh, big big mistake. Um, you know, let's talk more about the volleys because I know you like the idea of a straight arm, and I'm gonna you know do my best to talk you out of that slightly, slightly. Because when I say slightly, uh, I really what I do. It's funny. You know, I had a problem as a junior. I, I had pretty good touch. I, I brought up on clay in Connecticut. And, um, and I was a better doubles player. A lot of pros say this. I was a better doubles player than I was singles. I don't know about you, but I definitely, um, I even liked doubles more back in the day. Uh, today, I prefer to play singles. I prefer to watch singles. But I hit that angle volley way too much. And I noticed a lot of my students do and we can't even get a good rally going, you know, when they're up at net and I was in the baseline and, and you know, because they would volley short or they hit that angle volley a lot. I'm like, come on, hit the volley to me. And, and, and what I started noticing was, and it was pr- through my system, but it was also by accident. I remembered in college and then in a couple of little pro tournaments I played afterwards, when I would serve and come into net and they rocket it right at my belly and I would go like this, and I'd hit the angle volley inside out, uh, Mm -hmm. cross-court backhand, but inside out backhand volley. I noticed, and I was just protecting myself, Sure. I I thought to myself, Jesus, why did that one pop off my strings, and then I noticed Sampras, he had, that was his best volley, right, he'd serve and volley against Agassi, Agassi would rip it right at him, and he'd do that little thing where he'd he, he sort of bumped the ball inside out, but it would float beautifully on the baseline, inside out on the line. And, and I said, there's something to this. And then after I developed the system, well, his arm's straight there, but I don't think Agassi was known for his volleys. Um, but I, I started to put two and two together. And I thought, you know, having a slight, and I don't want to use the word bend, but having, having your arm slightly like this as opposed to straight, but having just a little bit of athleticism and a little bit of this, I call it a bird wing. And I've noticed, and this is what I coach. I'll show you real quickly here. Um, I found it incredibly interesting. And and all the pros that I, uh, that are certified and I work with, and I hear from every week, they go, you know, Jack, that inside out volley, that's totally fixed all my students, but he, they tell me it's fixed their own volleys. And, um, and it's, it's very interesting, I think, this one right here. Uh, and, and like I said, I'm just hoping to try and just, change, just slightly change your attitude on the volley, but, but watch these guys here. Okay. Um, you see how I have those yellow lines? Yeah, so this girl had a worse volley in the world. She didn't even have a continental grip, but I finally got her to use a continental. But by going inside out, the ball would absorb in the strings a little bit and it would pop deeper. Plus having a slight curve, see, I don't want to use the word bent, having a curve in your arm makes your arm stronger. It's like taking a piece of paper and sort of rounding it. And then you try to push on it. You can't push, but if it's straight, you can just push it really easily. So, you know, same reason they make cathedrals in Italy and Spain with arches, because there's something to this idea of roundness uh, that, like I said, it's not bent, definitely not bent, but it's slightly round. But I noticed that Edberg, I started going back and look at old Edberg volleys and Sampras, and they do that a lot. Uh, I guess when they go cross court, it's a little straighter, but certainly when they're going inside out down the line, they have this nice curve in their arm. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but, but you might be something you experiment with because that angle volley, like I said, what happened to me, was all I could hit was the angle volley. And that was a problem because everyone knew when when they came to net, if they hit to my forehand, just rush cross court, somewhat short or backhand, same thing. I couldn't hit a nice deep volley. And that's what I find with players today, even on the pro circuit, they all have the touch, but not many still have a nice deep volley where they want it. See, hers is slightly bent. Slightly, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's the first that picture right there of Justine. See, yeah. it's slightly, slightly bent, and I think but, that adds power and athleticism. Personally, what do you think about that, Dave?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I come from a little different background. Um, I, I agree and disagree. Uh, the curve, the curvature you're talking about, is about uh, stability items that don't bend. The arm does bend. And when, you, when a player brings any kind of a curvature there, there's a tendency to want to straighten it at contact
0: well, that instead I don't of using, that. Instead that of I don't using that. the arm.
1: That's, I'm, I'm going to just be blunt and honest. I've worked with 3,500 players, and the majority who are taught to keep that arm straight, lock that arm, have no problem, because if you, you can argue the strength, but I'm going to argue the leverage. I teach science. The longer the lever, the more force can be applied by that lever. And if a player has any movement, any mo- mobility in that elbow, they're going to use it. And then they're going to hit from the elbow, their leverage is only from the elbow to the end of the racket rather than the shoulder moving. So I'm going to argue from the standpoint of leverage, the straight arm provides but tremendous isn't that where, leverage. Isn't
0: that where the left hand comes into play? Let's say you're a righty, of course. Uh, the left hand, it places the racket out there and that, see, my arm would look straight to many people, but it's not. Uh, but I think it's the left hand and that's another thing I think the the opposite hand in volleys is so neglected when it's so important right instead of pulling your arm with that you push it out there you actually push it out and you create this beautiful form and then I don't think from there you'll want to straighten it right once you create that that form now you just sort of move your inner body and you keep that nice roundness
1: um, I don't think we're that far off because I don't you're think talking so about either. maintaining. Uh, you know, P- uh, Patrick Rafter had that nice roundness you're talking about. Yeah, he did. And and he didn't, had, he had, it wouldn't move. Teacher. That it was one of his. Teacher. You know, he didn't have a lot of
0: greatness, but I thought his serve was great. But I thought his volleys. Oh,
1: he was one of the best serve volleys. You know, oh, him and Edberg were definitely. But here's the problem. I mean, this is the problem when we teach to individuals rather than if you actually look at the majority of players from the Bryant brothers to any of the top players as a majority you will see this like this volley behind me of of Justine with that arm straight as her arm finishes the stroke and so I'm not disagreeing that a curved arm can't be used tremendously effectively absolutely correct the problem is when you, when a beginner intermediate player has a bent arm, curved arm, I don't whatever you want to call it. If there's some leverage still left in that arm. They're going to use it, and if you train it as you're doing, although I, I would, I don't like laying the racket too far back. Um, I rather have them turn their shoulders to create the angles desired mm-hmm. rather than laying the racket back because then the chicken wing. I call it a chicken wing when a player starts bending that elbow, they start embellishing that even more. So when I see be, a player- It so
0: might be semantics, because I don't like the bent elbow either. No, I know, and I, yeah, so I agree, I you're, be, you're not it saying that. Be semantics, it, it might yeah. be semantics we're talking about.
1: I, I, I think about. player coaches, let me put a, simplify it, because we, we are on the same page. Coaches, if you have a player who's volleying very well with a slightly bent or, or that curved arm, and they're not using that elbow to hit right you're on the money if you've got a player that's trying to straighten that elbow i suggest getting that elbow straight from the get-go and learn the feel of that leverage and the leverage is increased because the physics of the of a lever increases when you're using that whole arm and not getting any elbow involvement also when a a player has a bent elbow that's another joint that they're trying to maneuver oh yeah and so if, as long as they're keeping that elbow in a fixed, you know, as you mentioned, yeah. they're fine. I'm just telling you, from I my. Agree. when that elbow is bent, it's just a
0: weakness. It's a chink in the armor. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Whoops. I just lost my video. Lost um, yeah, I mean, that's, and so my, my effort is to train players. Um, I don't know if I have this video up here. Um, I've got to pull this video off of my daughter when she was eight years old. Um, uh, Explain a little bit more. You
0: know what I'm thinking while we're talking here, I'm thinking maybe a great way to train volleys is just what we're doing, but we do both. We make sure they can hit, we hit the first one. They go deep down the line. We hit the second one. They hit the angle volley deep down the line. Cause I really, like I said, I just find that too many kids resort to the angle short angle volley because, too because they are afraid. I just know from my own personal experience, I was afraid to hit the deep volley uh, because of the way I was taught. I was taught to punch. And so my deep volleys always felt weak, but my angle volleys, I always had
1: confidence in them because that was just a matter of feel. So I think it's good to do both. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, train, I, I like to train the angle first just to get kids away from hitting. We're so used to feeding... In the middle of the court to True. a kid hitting straight ahead He also trained from the far angle uh to so kids can learn to interact with a incoming vector yeah. that's a little different as well so
0: look at justine behind you though she's look at that left hand you see how she's I mean, oh yeah I'm we sure we were going to discuss this next but right you set your racket out there whether it's straight or whether it's got that roundness and then you, you want to keep that line up So that left hand, that opposite hand is so important. Look how it goes behind her left ear.
1: Well, we train that separation of the arms on every, of course, slice backhand, slice backhand volley. That left arm cannot come around with the stroke. It will pollute it. It will deteriorate the stroke tremendously. And so we actually train that, try to get that left hand to stay back. Uh, Let me see if I've got um it's funny you're
0: showing cross courts and i'm showing reverse cross courts on our videos
1: yeah i mean we we train it all i mean our players i uh, by the way i produce a state champion every single year in doubles every single year and i think part of that is because of the fact that our players can hit that angle volley rather than just block it to I, the I agree
0: when you're talking doubles the angle volley is yeah, fantastic absolutely uh, but I actually have my kids volley outside the court. I, if you just saw a minute ago, these kids were all volleying into the alley or even beyond the alley. Yeah, and we, we I, trained I wanted that. Them, yeah, I want them to feel the pop and say, and realize, oh, I don't feel weak on the one-hander. Look how the ball, like this girl, I'm telling you, she was the worst. She just pops the ball deep here, and she couldn't believe. She goes, wow, it doesn't feel weak anymore. I can really make the ball go a distance. Right. And um and so it's, it's, I think it's very interesting to show both sides.
1: You're looking at well, that really- high, you know, that high backhand volley. Um, so many players feel a sense of weakness. So they flip the racket over. Right. And I, I uh, we train the arm to be rigid and firm and driving with cleanliness, if you will, um, to, feel that and then they go wow I don't have to flip it over I don't have to swing hard to uh, hit the ball firm and that's one of the big things for us is to train that um, high backhand volley just like a low one and when players start to understand that oh my gosh they start well uh,
0: yeah I agree the high backhand volley I would have to say might be the toughest shot in tennis either that or the high forehand volley one of the two
1: but well, it's yeah, I mean, everyone
0: tries to bring their head right they try and finish like this right. or on the backhand they try and do this and come around the ball instead of just having a stable ha- instead of being stable and letting the once again letting the ball sink into the strings uh they try to finagle they try and maneuver the head of the racket and and, and, and then that's just a catastrophe waiting to happen see look right. at this girl she's got a nice She's laying her head back, even though you can't see the racket, she's laying the head back nicely. And look at her left hand. See how her left hand's keeping her lined up to the 40. Well, I, you know, I I know you agree with me, but uh, it's keeping her lined up. See that left hands, keeping her lined up. So the shoulders, the hips, everything's lined up nicely to the 45. And yeah, you know, it's funny. You can see her arm is straight, but when you look at it from the shoulder to the tip of the racket head, you can see the curve. But if you look at just her arm itself, it looks straight. Now here on this picture, you can see it's slightly rounded. It's beautiful. This is the one you have behind you. See, to me, you might call that straight. I'd call that slightly, slightly rounded. And I I think think that's a beautiful shot right there. I think that's
1: that's what you call rounded, then we're on the same exact page because she cannot extend this arm any further. I mean, the arm can't straighten out. From this position at all. I mean it's well if it did, the racket head would start to come forward. You see? Well, we we drain the shoulder joint is the mobility joint. So the arm moves this way, not from the elbow, not from the wrist, not because once if the racket head leaves, the racket head turns over. If the arm leaves, the racket stays on your keeping what I call my books, keeping the plane the same right and that's the key to any good stroke especially the volley we call it set and hold but the keeping the plane the same ensures that i can hit the ball here 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 or here and it'll yep. still go exactly where i want to go i
0: agree and look at her right hand look at her right hand starting to move back you yep. see it's starting it's that's that's a that's a really great thing i mean you got these girls hitting good volleys good high volleys and no wonder you win so many championships because I mean, doubles, let's face it, in high school and now college, doubles is huge importance all of a sudden. It wasn't back in the 70s and 80s, right? You played six singles, three doubles, and the doubles didn't count for as much always. But now doubles, they
1: really push it.
0: Right. Uh, You better be able
1: to play both. And, And the game evolves. And you know, for a while it was serving volley, then it became a baseline fest, and then it became serving volley again. And now I think we're in a really good time of of tennis where players are manufacturing a point and learning to close in on the net and getting to finish that point off at the net a lot more and um learning to volley better i, I still even my players that train in some of the academies outside of my program they say well we we spend like five minutes on volley in the two-hour clinic i'm like that ain't enough. I mean, you're not hitting enough volleys. And oh,
0: I, I ask my kids when they go somewhere else once in a while, I'll say, well, how many serves did you? Oh, we didn't do serves today. I'm like, yeah, what yeah. we didn't do serves today? I mean, come on. And I hear that a lot at these clinics. They didn't do serves. They ran for 45 minutes and they hit groundies cross court for an hour, but no serves. And ve- like you say, five minutes of volleys. Right. It's um and, and even if
1: even if they just the, that concept of spending very little time on it emphasizes to the player, this isn't important and it, it, that's the wrong message. Um, I think you can see in this picture of, of Lindsay hitting a backhand exactly what you're talking about. Look at the I left. Arm. We call it the umpire move. They're saying safe um, in my books. I, I talk about that, but as a right arm goes forward, the left arm goes back. So the integrity of that shoulder line you see from there. Oops, you
0: see, that's one way to look at it. And I look at it from her backhand, from her left hand to her tip of her racket. Yep. I see it all on a 45 degree angle. Personally. Oh yeah, no, the,
1: the, you you, you <laughs> nailed it. The 45 and I talked about it in my first book, Tennis Mastery. I talked about the 45 a ton. Right. Without, and, and so it's so funny that we've connected because I talk about if you turn more than 45, you're over rotating. And if you open up to a 90 degree or facing the net, I should say, Um, you've over-rotated forward. So you've got to maintain that 45 through the hitting zone and let the, I always call it, let the racket pull you around. Don't use your body to drag the racket forward because you lose the the integrity of the racket making contact and you have to actually decelerate the racket when you over-rotate or open up.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know what I like about that picture too? Uh, Her racket face, you can see the continental grip. Oh, yeah, she's she's got that angle, but she's keeping the face flat. I find too many players turn under the backhand kind of like they do when they hit their slice and then they get these floaty. Right, right. We we keep the plane
1: the same. It is a racket open and it stays in the same plane. It doesn't dish. It doesn't dish under the ball and it doesn't roll over the ball. We keep the plane the same. And that ensures the quality, um, obviously-
0: But you know, it's so poorly misunderstood. This morning on Instagram, I saw this, I don't wanna mention names, but I saw someone teach, it. and she said to do safe, but she turns the face under. So it's, it's, it's perpendicular to the net as opposed yep. to the way Federer hits his slice where he's like this, per- perp- he's parallel to the net. And he, he just, you know, he sort of slices the ball like that and it's nasty and it's, it goes low and it's got a lot of spin as opposed to the slice that when you open up like this and it floats and now that's you're a right. dead man. If you know, if you have a floaty slice backhand or sliced, um, a slice volley like that and you turn under it, you're uh, just gonna float the ball and then you're dead the next shot.
1: Here, here, I show you this video just to demonstrate. We, we think outside the box a little bit and try to get kids to, in that last segment off the ball machine, the 45 degree angle, you can see it. Achieved. I saw they were,
0: I, that's the first thing I saw, you position those chairs. <laughs>
1: We, this is a good example of how we train a, a wide variety of, of teaching players to use different body segments. Here's this full swinging topspin from the baseline, not that we would ever teach a full swinging stroke, from, but it's, it's developing racket head speed. So sure. these are things that effectively teach. And here's, here's a sharp angle learning, teaching kids to get the ball up and down on a very, very sharp angle. And these are all beginners. I mean, these are Pretty raw. Uh, I mean, you're, you're seeing kids that have been playing for less than. Well, some of these kids have been playing for maybe a year, but um, you can see this is a football kid right here that's learning to volley correctly.
0: Oh, I love the way those. I love the way those chairs are angled, man. I love that. Yep. They, yeah, you know, well, that's you know, that's people, secret. A lot of people will do this drill like you're doing, but they'll put the the chair uh, facing the side fence, and I'm like, oh, you're killing them. Yep. It's like it's well, kind of reminds me, uh, Dave of when you, um, are, you know how you coach the serve. You Oh yeah, I can serve for my knees. You get on your knee. The pro always does it right. He faces the 45 and does it. Then the kid gets down there and he's perpendicular to the net and he can't, you know, he's flopping on the ground and he can't finish the stroke. But the pro doesn't, doesn't think and doesn't go, oh, adjust your, st- your knee stance uh, slightly, just slightly open. And then yep. you'll be able to serve like me. They don't do that they'll just you know well here you keep practicing but but yeah so i really like the way you have those chairs angled that was perfect
1: well you know there's just hundreds and hundreds and this is when i'll be speaking in nebraska here in a, in a month or so and at a coaching conference uh, actually doing a golf uh, i train a lot of world-class golfers including my daughter but um i'm doing a four-hour tennis program and a four-hour golf one, but the similarities in golf and tennis are, are abound. Uh, my yes, daughter's a I great golfer. Um, she full ride uh, college scholarship and she would start it as a tennis player. And so it was really interesting to see her apply the strokes from her tennis and how to shape a ball's flight because she could shape a ball's flight in tennis, hitting around the outside of the ball to make the ball curve to the right on her back end or, or hitting around the ball for a slice a serve. That all translated into her uh, having uh, the ability, if you will, of hitting amazing golf swings. And so I really like, um, I, I, well, one of the uh, ideas was that she could take that, that tennis and take it to a world-class level of golf. And so one of the things you'll see in our drills, and I'll speak at conferences, is you've got to know. As you've well documented, what leads to skilled strokes and what prohibits skilled strokes from being acquired? And your positioning grips, we've talked about the continental grip already. We've talked about the 45, which is critical. Even in golf, even though we set up 90 degrees at point of contact, the body's at 45 degrees. In fact, you can kind of see even in this swing behind me she's followed her swing but she's not completely no, look,
0: she's, oh you can see if you look at her feet
1: you and, can and see look at her, her
0: p- hips you see her hips are still lined up look at that Right.
1: yeah and so that's what it allows her to hit a 285 yard drive and she's only a, a five foot six little girl um and so one of the things that we always talk about in golf and tennis i don't know if i have a video of her hitting a golf ball here but um it's pretty impressive. Here, here, okay. Here's here's her swing in golf. So if you look at her her position, her feet are lined up parallel to the target. But look at her belly button facing the back camera. Okay, here come the hips. Here come the hips. And then the hips stop. Forty five. that exactly. And then the club has. I could have said
0: it better myself. That's right. The hips lock in. And that's right. why everyone mis, mis, misinterprets it. They all go, oh, look at the shoulder rotation. I'm like, yeah. no, it's not. Watch so the hip.
1: This is where pros yep. don't notice it. And this is true in tennis. The hips rotate back, full full throttle turn. Right Now, here they the, hip, come. the kinetic chain, legs, hips, now hips stop. And the club head accelerates. I call and then it the retraction. hips follow after the club. I call it retraction. The hips retract
0: back in right at the 45. And then the shoulders... They come flying around. So what does everyone see? That's why I would tell people, it's not what you see. It's what you don't see. What they see is big shoulder rotation, but they don't see that it's been following the hips the whole time until the retraction. And then the shoulders come flying around ahead of the hips, but they don't see because they're not looking deep enough. You know, they don't look deep enough into the, to see in the hips that that's initiating the move. Yeah, she has a beautiful swing and she illustrates everything so perfectly. Even for tennis, she illustrates it perfectly in this golf swing.
1: Well, and you'll notice, again, the left arm, I I, I translate this to, and you could say there's a slight curve there. I can't. It's hard hard for a player (laughs) to maintain it, but for the most part, we train that leverage of that left arm because that left arm is what generates the club head speed release point. If the elbow bends, we have that big chicken wing, and that's what we associate with beginners in golf and and tennis is that, that swing like this rather than the full turn and there's the leverage look at the leverage from the left shoulder pulling down there the hips then everything stops the club head accelerates through and that's where and her keeping the plane the club had the club if you actually drew a line i don't know if i can do this on this video but watch see if i can do this here (laughs) everything's backwards (laughs) that's right the mirror button so I can't I can do that. to
0: me that arm looks cur- it looks it looks perfectly curved, perfectly. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I, I would argue it's straight, but okay. If you're calling it curved, I'll buy it. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I I'm just gonna say we work on keeping it as dead straight as we can see, because that's straight, where the leverage see,
0: when I think of straight, I think of locked. And that's well, it's point. locked.
1: I mean we we train that elbow to be dead straight. If there was a bend, it would start curving around her, and there is a slight right there. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know you can look at every top pro golfer and you'll see that same concept. And if if you want to call it stru- uh, bent slightly or curved, no, no not up, bent.
0: Not bent. I don't like yep. the word bent. I hate curved, the word
1: bent. Curved. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, I'll, I'll buy that because that's what we that's what we train in an attempt to keep it straight. We know. I guess the bottom line is we know there's going to be a slight curve no matter how firm you try to keep that elbow straight. And um, I guess I, I look at it from a standpoint, we try to maintain um, pretty good integrity of that arm just because I've taught thousands and thousands and thousands of players and I've seen overbent or curve, And then they try to swing from that elbow. So from that's a right, introductory, we try that's to train right. that. And then if they have a slight bend, you could argue, she Lindsey Lindsay here in this picture has a a slight bend it's hard to tell from this angle but yeah i mean there's there's a little bend there's always going to be a little embellishment yeah you know what i i, I actually would prefer
0: honestly i would prefer you to say straight and even use the word bend because straight is a lot closer to what i'm saying than bent uh right. so you know i think i understand why you use straight because it is pretty straight i guess my only thing is when you lock anything you lose your natural athleticism when it's locked but your daughter, she doesn't. And this girl, see, that's not, it's straight. It's straight, but it's not locked. So maybe we should just change our vocabulary. Because right. see, her arm is straight,
1: but it's not locked. And when it's, well, I, there, I'll, it's I'll argue that she keeps it straight through the entire stroke. So what, if you want to call it unlocked, okay. Yes, it, as player, player, here's, here's the secret. Here's the secret. If you keep it straight, a player is going to embellish it every player is going to embellish it. Okay. And so that. you're going to have, wow. a, you're going to, you're going to have players that have a little bend, a little curve, a little fluctuation. Or well,
0: even you, when you show it to
1: me, you're yeah, okay. showing I'm, it to I'm, me. I'm, Oh, I'm, I'm showing a bent elbow right now. When I train a player, there's, there's where I'm at. I'm locking that elbow. I'm driving that arm through. And every player is going to embellish that to be a highly skilled backhand volley every single time, every time. I've never had a player not have an extraordinary, and, and I, I even mean adults, senior adults. I mean, um, well, certainly I, I I agree. I don't. I,
0: I like the lever being from the shoulder. I like the arm being uh, strong. You know what I call it? I call it the iron bar. I tell my students make your arm into an iron bar, not a. Not a I use that. I, I use
1: crowbar. Oh, okay. I use crowbar. And here's why I do it. I always ask them, do you want to use a short crowbar to lift a heavy car or would you like a long crowbar? Everybody of course, Oh, I want a long crowbar. I get more leverage. Okay. If you're bending your elbow and swinging from the elbow, your crowbar is only as long as that elbow to the end of your racket. Straighten that arm. Now your crowbar is from the shoulder to the end of the racket. And now you have leverage and that's a proven, uh, second, uh, or, um, uh, first degree lever, um, and we all know if you look at the formula for force applied by uh, uh, a load uh, multiplied by force, the longer the lever, the more force can be applied. Sure, so lever. again, using physics, and in this picture behind me, we're training that elbow position on up balances with the Continental grip, and you can see in in all these the elbows is as straight as they can make. Now, here's an interesting thing: this kid on the left. That's as straight as his elbow can get.
0: That's right. You see, but to me, it looks beautifully like a wing. See, that looks like a wing to me. But you're right. It's straight. It's certainly not bent. We agree on that. It's not bent. Right. And and that's as far as
1: he can do it. If you look at the kid, this is his twin brother in the gray shirt. His elbow is a lot more straighter because his elbow, whatever... difference between the two brothers they're twins they are not identical obviously but um that's the interesting thing is how the elbow shape sometimes doesn't allow some players to get it dead straight so i agree with you you may end up with players who have a a curve and that's as far as they can get it and that's fine i love that because again who's got the better volley the kid on the left or the right oh they're both amazing they're both state champions they both they both won uh win undefeated in fact uh I thought ironically Russ here in the gray shirt uh, was undefeated singles and Sam was the undefeated doubles player with Hunter uh, his partner in the, in the the other shirt there.
0: I see. I see. So
1: they both again, because the dynamic stroke was identical, even though one had a slightly more bent elbow because he couldn't straighten it any further. And that was the difference. Um, And that's why I say every player is going to have a slight, uh, difference if you will in within the advanced foundation this is why you can look at pros and identify individual characteristics that are different from each player um but yet the foundation whether it's a two-handed backhand uh this is one of my jv players oh look at her back leg look at that back leg kick yeah. back and, and we'll talk more cool. about that in, uh, later but i mean from her to uh, my number one singles player you see the back leg again yeah uh, you can see the foundation to um to, uh, let's pull up uh, Tia, if I've got Tia here. Um, this is Tia just getting ready to hit, but you can see the foundation of the grip, the racket position. Beautiful continental grip. Yeah, um, and uh, this is, um, if you look at our fast hands drill, so when we're working on that uh, stroke uh, right here, so these are all these are all JV players here working on that repeatable, reliable stroke over and over and developing that muscle memory, even though it's not really muscle oh, memory. I just
0: think this stuff is great. I wish I wish more coaches
1: would do stuff like this. Well, this is why, I mean, it's not rocket science. I mean, you, if you're going to develop a player that can aim, that can hit a stroke on command over and over and over, these are all JV players, by the way. This is the only varsity player right here. And um, you can see that leg drive, the back leg stand back, this is a J, yep. this is, this is the, that's number 22. That's number 24 on my ladder. Oh, you got some depth,
0: you got um, some
1: depth. This is actually a varsity player, but she's a she's my lefty. Um, and you can see the rhythm of this stroke, the back toe staying down, the release step after the hit, the brake step as we call it, but look at the back leg and the ability to generate racket head speed on, on say a two-handed backhand. And now we're training them in this particular drill, to react quickly and still be able to aim, 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 aim. Yeah, aim. I like these, these quick, if I, do, if I ever do feeds like this,
0: which in privates I don't do as much, but I will sure. do this particular drill because I also like them feeling the connectiveness of the backswing and the foreswing. And if you move quickly like that, then they just keep going like this and they feel how the two sides of the stroke are connected. So right. I do like that. Um, so
1: again, thinking outside the box, uh, we have people kneeling down the backhand ground uh, stroke cro- forehand cross court, going around the cone split, down the line passing shot. Uh, here's I the players quickly, quickly, working on Since today's volleys, and you and
0: I, as usual, Dave, even in our conversations, we go all over the place, right? right. I want to me- <laughs> make sure we hit a few more of these volley drills. Um, sure, let's,
1: let's have you. Yeah, this one more
0: behind me, this one behind me, a lot of players do the quick volleys, but I really like adding this to the quick volleys, which is the lob. Um,
1: oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, wow.
0: because too many. Uh, I just don't think doing this particular drill only, you get. Of course, your hands get quicker and everything gets better, but by adding the lob to it. Oh, here's the clacker drill. Do you guys do this one? Yep. yep. You know, stay we behind do the
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You see, and then. And, and talk about receiving. See, that's the word you used before that I like. You can't do, you can't punch the ball and do this no. drill. You can't You can't even get close. Oh, here you get to see the, so I like the lob volley, the lob volley in this drill. I add it. Now, sometimes you can't take the overhead. So you got to look like a hot dog like that. But, um, but when we go back to this here in the beginning, I want to make sure we cover at least one or two things. And one was the idea of adding the lob volley in that quick, you know, everyone does quick volley not just you and me but add add the lob volley to that drill and then we talked about this last week the lacrosse drill where you catch the ball and then the other one is bump up and across what you call it mini me mini me i think mini me
1: yeah
0: and um and then and then i wanted to show one quick volley here real quickly to show how easy and how you can make the volley into almost a rally drill by adding um the lob to the quick volley that's really the only thing i wanted to show the pros right because that's what we're here for right i mean i know we have a good time hanging out and uh but uh we got to show these guys as much as we can so there's a lacrosse drill there's just you know just get the feel but receiving is the word of the day because that's really what it is
1: I, I i say receiving or reflecting which infers a, a solid racket versus a hit a swinging racket But both those are so good um, about developing hand, learning to let the racket do more of the work. Um, Yes, exactly.
0: Look, you got string tension of 50, 60 pounds. I mean, and then there's tension in the air pressure of the ball. Let those two things work for you. There's the lob, Right. he hits it at me, but he doesn't hit it as hard as he can. He just has a nice quarter speed. I keep it in play. And then, you know, and that's, that's a really beautiful way to, to, like I said, it's almost like a rally from the baseline. I think that's why so many kids like to stay on the baseline. You get long rallies. And at net, they think, oh, no, it's quick. And, but, but really, you should treat the volley drills like this one. You should have as long a rally, including the lob and overhead, as you do uh, in the baseline.
1: Yeah. You know, but I we, think- well, let me add to what you've got there, because our our start of our practice, like yesterday, we had our, our Super Saturday, and um, they have to hit back backhand to backhand volleys 100 in a row. I love it. I love now, it. When I was in college, we had to hit 300 in a row or start over. You want to know what pressure was? 295, 296, and having to start over if you miss. And even and for a lot of kids, 100 in a row is a lot. And yet, it's a lot. Start you, one of the things I've seen with volleys, especially, is when you add a vo- verbal counting, players are much more focused on making the shot because there's a, a connectivity between verbalizing one, two, three. You know,
0: I find that true even when I'm hitting, like when I haven't played in a week or so, and I decide to go hit with one of my buddies who's a very good player, you know, like a 12 UTR. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, I don't want to suck today, or else this guy's not going to want to hit with me again. But, and I do that right away. I go, okay, start counting, and I don't even count his. I just count mine. And right. I find right. that if I count, it does make psychologically, I guess, but it makes you focus more, and it's it's really great. I think it's it's, it's
1: well anything in the volley realm that allows a player to control the ball on intent, um, meaning the volley lob. The angle volley, the catching, the mini me or or up on across. cross. We do a drill, It's a badminton drill. Um, I was a national badminton player back when I was very young. I know, that's great. And we did a drill called drop, drop, clear, clear in badminton where you hit a drop shot, they hit a drop shot, you hit a clear, they hit a clear you hit a drop shot off, they're clear, they hit a drop shot and you keep that rhythm of drop, drop, clear, clear. And I found that really has application to tennis to develop the hand and the racket orientation to, to slow a ball down, drop it. Again, working on a vertical drop versus a horizontal volley drive, which everyone does on a daily basis. They don't learn drop volleys, they don't learn angle volleys when they're just driving the ball straight. So there's another drill. You ought to try that, and I'd love for you to film it. But just, it's exactly what it sounds like drop, drop. And I do mean a very close to the net drop. And then a bump up lob, just barely to the service line. We're not talking an a offensive lob, just a, a lob over their head. That person has to run back and volley that for a lob. And then that person that takes that lob and drops shots from wherever. Would you, he say,
0: wants. Would you say that's similar to uh, Dinkham, in a way?
1: I don't know Dinkham. Describe it. Oh
0: yeah, you do. It's the one where you start at the net, and you hit the net, and the ball drops over, and you have. Oh a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I call it Dinkum. Where you rally
1: the ball out, you 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 yeah, like a little very close mini tennis.
0: Yeah, I super suppose. super close mini tennis, but you lob the lob. Yeah, to me that sounds, and I like those finesse drills. I do too. Because yeah. you have to, you have to move quickly, but be very
1: um, gentle. <laughs> you have to be thoughtful, right? Exactly, and, and kids don't, when they are taught to swing fully at balls, they never develop, well, I shouldn't say never, they don't develop as quickly. Um, the hand-eye coordination and the touch that is associated with being able to react quickly. To a ball that you should hit. If I've got two girls on the baseline and I'm at the net volley, why would I want to hit a deep volley? I mean, that's, you know, the, the epitome well, unless, unless you're
0: practicing with them.
1: Right. I, 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 I mean, in a match, in a game situation, I want to hit an angle volley for a winner. I don't want to hit a, a deep ball to the person that's deep. I mean, if I want to win the point, um, I mean, there are some exceptions, of course, but for the most part, the the player at the net If they know how to hit angle volleys drive, and one thing we we teach a lot of is at the net we train our players to drill that high volley through the net man's kneecap and if you hit their kneecap we we tell our players never say you're sorry say are you okay right but you never say you're sorry because that was the shot you wanted to hit i love it we never want to apologize for the shot we're trying to hit you can always say hey are you okay you all right cool and a good here's the interesting thing: when a good net player is hit by a volley, usually they say, "No, that was a great shot." The crappy net player who gets hit, who says, "Why'd you hit me? What, right. what are you doing?" They're the ones that suck at the net anyway, or are very inexperienced. So we we found that good players they know that that's part of the game.
0: I was always taught to volley at the guy's right hip.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to be more specific, yeah, exactly. get them on the inside of their where the backhand volley is harder and they certainly can't get that forehand.
0: No, they can't get the
1: forehand, but oh. they certainly can the
0: backhand. Yeah. Well, you know, Dave, as, as usual, uh, two long-winded pros like us, uh, we we didn't even touch the serve today.
1: Yeah, we'll do but that well, next time. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, that.
0: What I'm going to do is I'm going to retitle this this episode and call it Volumes. <laughs> That's it, you know, because... It's not serves and volleys anymore but that's okay i think we'll probably have enough to talk about when it comes to the serve i'm just guessing we'll have enough to talk about i, I think we'll have there.
1: plenty plenty to talk about for uh, sure so but uh, well let's uh run, let's uh call, call this uh a, a good day of of uh, we'll talk we'll 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 tease with some serving here and getting learn how to hit a kick serve correctly learn how to get generate speed how to i uh, do all the things that are associated with good serving <laughs> and uh, especially a great second serve. So and also, and
0: also warming up the serve, uh, yep. and also warming up the serve. Uh, yeah, we'll just give a little teaser to the next show. I put mine on too.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll hey. do it next time and, uh, great, great, uh, segment for us. So this was yeah. It's
0: a lot of fun. Dave, as always, it's such a pleasure and, uh, we'll do it again real soon. And, uh, and look forward to it i hope the pros are enjoying themselves as much as we are let's put it that way
1: there you go hope you're bringing you some information
0: you got it take care next time
1: all right